This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our show today. We have a really very, very interesting show today. We have a special guest, Georgina Cannon, which we're going to bring on in a little bit. But Ahanu, I always give you the weather report, <clears throat> and I have to tell you that here we are in San Diego. We moved here for the sunshine. And for the past, I don't know, three or four days, it's been doing nothing but rain. And I was a bit worried when I arrived here thinking, well, how was I going to feel if it never rained? And here it is, uh-huh, raining, raining, raining. In fact, it rained so hard the last couple of days, it reminded me of Ireland. Wasn't there some song, famous song, actually, about it? Not rain, never rains. Never rains. Never rains in California. Well, it does, folks. We're here to testify that it rains, and it rains hard. But it is an absolutely wonderful feeling because we know the plants, the trees, really, really love it and soak it up. And, you know, we don't know if it's connected, of course, to earth changes or weather patterns or that kind of thing. But aside from that, it's really, really wonderful. It's refreshing, it's drenching, it's clearing, it's cleaning, and you can feel those fresh ions in the air, and it's a wonderful, wonderful sensation. And of course, a great memory for me, because it makes me feel like I'm at home, but with palm trees. Right. And we had an interesting experience, though, of the weather the past few days. And maybe we want to bring this up and talk about it just for a second, before we bring our guest on. But it seems that there's definitely strange energies afoot, Ahano, because in terms of different moods, and uh, and this is happening to quite a few people that we've spoken to, this feeling of dread or this feeling of, um, you know, sadness, I say. That's the word, sadness, isn't it? Collective sadness going on. And yet um, we wake up today and it seems to all have all cleared and everything feels very good and positive. Now, is that just because the sun is out? And I actually don't think so because I have noticed that there are some storms that do seem to carry uh, an emotional counterpart to them, which is new, Ahana, very new. So what do you think about that? Well, I had a little bit of a breakthrough there this morning when I realized that we're all familiar with that feeling of going into a room where somebody had been, has been fighting or if there's an argument going on. And we're, as humans, aware of the, the tension in the air. We're aware that there's, there's anger. Now, I think what we were feeling over the last period of time is perhaps a bigger, more global reflection of that. In other words, there may well be galactic battles going on or there may well be this ongoing war between good and evil or whatever on a larger scale but we as humans are sensitive to it and it's one of the reasons why we're actually encountering more and more people who are checking out and committing suicide and just not able to cope with the with that sensation of fear and dread and trepidation but it could be just that we're 
we're aware, we're we're sensitive to these kinds of tensions that are in the in the atmosphere. Well, you make a good point. It's it's good advice to remind people that how they may be feeling isn't always necessarily uh, something going on with themselves, and, and to look for bigger reasons because sometimes that's a comfort. You know, if you can realize, oh, that's how I feel, why I feel that way, or uh, something like that it can actually help you get through it because I do know for myself that some of these moods that have been going on um, or these things that we're sensing are very different than any time before. And I think it might be part and parcel of this shift that's happening for everybody. Now, how do I do do have to say too, that our, our trusted little uh, mentor is here, Coco, the pit bull. Every time we have a show or anytime anything spiritual is going on, Pippo, uh, sorry, Coco gets off her, her perch, you know, her snug little place or her bed, and she comes in the room with us and sprawls out. And this is where she is, right at my feet right now, ready to hear the show. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Georgina Cannon. She's an award-winning author, change catalyst, corporate speaker, international facilitator, and practicing consulting hypnotist. So we're in for a real treat today. And she also is a practicing hypnotist who's brilliantly and skillfully uncovering the powers of the subconscious mind, the mind-body connection, working through relationships and life issues with clients both personally and for business. And she says there's nothing more magical, more efficient, more powerful than the subconscious mind. Let Dr. Georgina Cannon show you how to access and use your own power and magic, bringing joy and peace into your life and the lives of others in your world. She has an eclectic background in journalism, the corporate world, and counseling. Georgina is a powerful catalyst for change in a person, in a couple, or a corporation, or organization. Writing, teaching, lecturing, and appearing in the media, she attracts audiences both young and old, including the 78 million baby boomers in North America looking forward to the second half of their lives and seeking insight and inspiration on life's deepest questions. So, let us get Georgina Cannon on the line. Hello. Good morning, Georgina. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you're very, very welcome to the show. Well, thank you. This is a delight. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, good morning. Now, Jordine, I'm going to get right into it with you. This book that you've written <laughs> is threatening. <laughs> this, this book is, is fascinating. So I want to use as much time as we can to give our listeners as much information as possible. And, you know, I have started to take notes to ask you questions, and then I thought, the chapter titles are so intriguing um, that we'll go. We're going to go through that. But could you first tell our listeners about yourself, about your your history, and how you got to be where you are today? Sure. Um, I started off in England as a journalist and uh, writing for magazines and newspapers. And when I came to Canada, uh, I was a journalist here for a while, and then opened up a public relations company. Um, because one of the people I wrote about asked me if I could uh, do some publicity for him, and I said, sure. I'm one of those people who always says yes and then works out afterwards how to do it. And um, and that my, that company grew to quite a size, uh, 
and uh, it was bought by another company called Burson Marsteller, which is one of the world's largest PR companies. And I went there as creative director for a few years, and then they asked me to run the company. So I became their managing director with four offices in Canada, and traveling the world for them, uh, working with clients around the world, uh, helping them with their strategic uh, creative and communications planning. And that was a wonderful learning process for me, and that lasted 10 years. But after a while, I got very tired of the corporate politics, uh, a polite word for lying, I guess, and uh, dealing with corporations who wanted us to cover over their messes. And uh, because I refused to take certain clients, um, such as the fur industry or the paper industry or the tobacco industry, I began to become a bit of a laughing stock in, in the company worldwide. And I totally understand where they're coming from. It's just that they didn't understand where I was coming from. And we're now talking 20 some odd years ago. Uh, so I got very tired of it and decided to leave and just do something that was better for the soul. So I took Reiki classes and color therapy and aromatherapy classes because I've always been involved in the metaphysical. You know, growing up in England, we believe in fairies at the bottom of the garden, as you know, that <laughs> it, it's there. And we believe in ghosts and, and miracles and all sorts of metaphysical manifestations. And um, so I wanted to find something that would work for me. So I looked at all of these things and learned them and got my master's, master's level in most of them and studied Gestalt therapy. Then happened upon uh, hypnosis and realized this, is, this was the miracle I was seeking. This is the uh, tool that allows people to find their own magnificence and, and become in charge of themselves. So I learned that and immediately opened a school and a clinic. And 18 years later, you know, here we are. I sold the clinic two years ago, and now I'm focusing on writing and teaching. I still see clients, um, but only one or two days a week. Most of my time is teaching, as, as I was told by my guides, to start teaching where you're not. So this is what I'm doing by writing books. And this one, again, Return Again, is now my third book. And I'm writing my fourth currently as we talk. Not as we talk, but at the same <laughs> same day. Let's put it that way. Uh, so that's where I am, and that's where I've come from. Well, that is absolutely a fantastic story. And I meet so many people who are trying to make that transition from either a corporate world or an outer type of an occupation to the healing arts. And I'm curious, Georgina, did this did that transition, was that easy for you? Was there times in between where you struggled? Because it seems that people have a difficulty getting going. So, uh, Oh, what do you yes. Think? Yeah, the first thing is that the, your, your friends will say to you, are you crazy? Um, and, and the second thing is to understand and to know that you're not going to make anywhere near the amount of money that you do in the corporate world. It is uh, minuscule compared to the obscene salaries we get in the corporate world. So, I, I mean, that's important to understand, unless you turn it into a business business. But that's a whole other story. But making the transition, it's important to understand that you have uh, skills that are transferable. Uh, you've learned discipline, you've learned planning, you've learned all different types of, of skills and, and um, basic knowledge about running a business that a lot of people don't have. So bring that into your uh, new way of 
being, your new way of earning money, and you'll find that it works. And you do have to market, of course, and you do have to get out there and network and, and do the groundwork and, uh, and learn to be an entrepreneur. Because that's the difference. Difference yeah. between being a corporate and, and being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I do um, appreciate that advice, and especially the part about that you have to accept that you're not going to earn the income. Um, right. Because certainly we've been in the healing fields for a long, long time, and it it isn't about the money. So no. that, that really is an important piece to tell people. They have to be ready for that. Um, so it's not about the money, but you are entitled to the money. I wanted, I wanted to say that. You are entitled yeah. to the money. Don't, yeah. don't feel guilty about taking money. Mm. It's an interesting point that you bring up, Georgina, about the whole fur and tobacco business, because a lot of people are so locked into the, the financial strain of living today that they, they remain, their principles don't allow them to make the change. But you very courageously did make that change into a more metaphysical lifestyle. Do you have any advice for people who who are in that situation, you know, they need to pay their mortgage, they need to feed their children and so on, and they feel committed somehow to stay doing what they know inherently within themselves may not be in line with their higher principles. And I'm asking that question in the light of leading our way into past lives and so on. Can you comment on that? Sure. Uh, the thing to do is to find slowly ease out. Don't you know we're looking here for evolution, not revolution. So slowly ease out. Get something going on the side. Start slowly building in your spare time another business so that it can evolve into what you want to become. Um, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And in fact, I make a big point about that in my book, as you know, um, that you have to evolve. Uh, once you understand who you truly are into becoming that and uh, don't throw out your partners don't throw out your job just keep you know slowly evolving thank you for that okay i want to get into this book georgina and but i i do want to briefly mention that your two previous books so our listeners can know how to find you and what you're writing about Okay. Well, they're both about the same subject. One was the very first book called Return, which was about past lives, and that was generated because of the uh, TV show that the Canadian Broadcasting Company asked me to do with them about past lives and taking people back and then doing the research on those past lives. So that book is about that, Return. And then the Discovering Your Interlife is literally about the work I learned from Michael Newton and uh, all about the, the um, life between lives, specifically with case histories and, and explaining it. And okay, the third so one is about uh, both. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, let's go back and um, discuss hypnosis in general and your journey through hypnosis and how you went from maybe normal hypnosis to exploring past lives. It seemed to me that it was an automatic uh, evolution because it accesses the subconscious. And we know that you can access the superconscious through the subconscious. So uh, I went to study with Henry Bolduc and then um, after that went to study with uh, Michael Newton 
I don't know what else to tell you. I just it just happened. I mean, I'm, it seemed such a natural evolution that it just happened. How how did you? I noticed from your website that you not only are you an award-winning board-certified master consultant hypnotist, but you actually founded the Ontario Hypnosis Center. And yes. that became Canada's hypnosis training facility. I mean, that seems like a marvelous development in a short space of time. How did that evolve? <laughs> it didn't seem so short. There were some days that it seemed like a long time. Um, because I was so passionate about it, I discovered it, and I really thought that I had found nirvana. This was the answer to everything. You know, we will do when we first discover something. I, I wanted to share it with everybody. And knew that as a, a facilitator, a trained corporate facilitator, I could teach adults well. So I opened the clinic, um, started off in someone else's uh, space one or two days a week, and then suddenly I was working in someone else's space three or four days a week because they referred people. And this is in the clinic. And then um, I suddenly, I think it was two months later, I started the school. And my first class had five people in it up until the time I sold it. Uh, we would hold classes of 30, 35 people at a time, teaching them to do hypnosis. Two years ago, as I mentioned, I, I turned it over to someone else. Um, and I, I'm not even sure what's happening there, but I'm sure the standards are being maintained. Uh, I still teach uh, occasionally. And I, certainly the past life and the life between lives, I teach that. And uh, I have an, an accreditation and a, a code of ethics that my students do get when they take it, learn it from me. And I'm also, this coming year, going to be teaching uh, trained trainers so people who already know it can learn to teach it to others, which, you know, you've got to pass on the torch. I'm a great believer in passing on the information and passing mm. on the torch so that other people mm. can do it. Now, to yeah. most people, uh, I think the subject of hypnosis, you know, people may have some fear around it. In other words, being out of control of their own minds or their own bodies oh. in some some way. And you have taken that standard model, let's say, you know, where people might use hypnosis for quit smoking or lose weight or mm -hmm. something like that, and mm -hmm. being able to somehow grasp the possibility of past lives. How did that emerge, this whole past life regression? How did that emerge out of the whole business of hypnosis? It made a way of um, making it... Uh, accessible to different parts of you. It's hard to explain. When you're working with changing patterns, for instance, you go into the subconscious mind looking for the blueprint of who you are today, and you change the blueprint. You change the, the pattern or the habit. When you're accessing the subconscious mind, you go deeper into hypnosis. And, uh, when you access, I'm sorry, the spiritual part of you, you go into deeper hypnosis, and you access your superconscious. And it came about that it was an, almost an automatic um, process that happened because people slip into a past life. For instance, when they come in sometimes for pain or they come in sometimes for fears or phobias, when I regress them back to the point of entry of that, that fear or phobia, um, they slip into a past life. Not always, but often. And even if they don't believe in it, they, they often slip into it because they don't really um, have the, the knowledge of where it came from. And it just comes about that it was a, a previous lifetime issue. Yeah, that's a really good matter, like for another life, really. <laughs> right. But can, Georgina, could you go back and just explain 
to our listeners what the superconscious mind is and what is contained there? Yes, the superconscious is our connection to the universal consciousness, or what what uh, scientists call the hundredth monkey syndrome. It's the space in in energy universe where all wisdom is is placed. This is where psychics, I believe, tap into because everything that has ever been and ever was is there um, for us to tap into. This is the information that many ancient cultures tap into when they're going on shamanic journeys or they're going into altered states. Um, And for instance, when we're doing spirit and entity release work or healing and we're doing it at a distance level, that's where it, it goes through. It goes through that level of super consciousness of, of what I would call God's energy without being religious about it. It's the, it's the, the energy of the oneness of, of truly who we are, the, the connection, the great connection, the great love. Mm-hmm. Yes, great connection, the all that is, the wonderful all that is. That's, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I so it, uh, upsetting people. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, I just had a question that popped right out of my, out of my mind. Do you have one? Well, let us remind our listeners that you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series. We have as our guest in the studio today Georgina Cannon. She's an award-winning author, a change catalyst, corporate speaker, international facilitator, and she is the author of a book called Return Again which is now available in bookstores and at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Indigo. If anybody would like to call into the show, the guest call-in number is 805-292-0349. And if anybody wants to contact Angel Rose, the email address is angelrose at angelrose.com. Do take care of that lovely Irish spelling, which is the Irish for angel. It's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. Now I remember my question. I wanted to know, Georgina, do people have soul contracts? Yes, they do. Um, But again, they're in charge of them in a way um, because we have a job to do with each lifetime. And when we are in the interlife and we become aware of what our soul contract is and we choose the body and the environment in which to join, which to join in our next iteration or incarnation, uh, to fulfill that soul contract, or karma, what we call karma, um, then uh, yes, we we do have that. But it's, it's it's knowing, it's knowing it at a certain level. It's not unknown, and we just have to right. be able to tap into it. Yeah. And so you think they can all be altered? Do you? I do. I think we have. Um, how do I explain this? It, it's like being born with a hand of cards. When you have your, it's how you play those cards that makes the difference. And if you have three people with the same issue or the same situation, uh, and each one of those three people will handle it differently. Some people will find the light in it and make it work for them. Some people will become the victim, and some people will be so totally unaware that they're going to repeat it, whether they <laughs> like it or not. You know, so, yeah. Quite often when people come into the clinic, they say things like, how come I always choose losers? Or how come, you know, my last three jobs have been a real pain and I feel like I'm being suffocated in all of them? Then we look at patterns, and we looked at patterns of being a victim. And sometimes it starts in this life in an early time, or it starts in a previous lifetime. 
So we have to track that down. And if you have a pattern of being a victim, then that's your, that's your supposed karma, then absolutely you can change that or any pattern. Okay. And that leads me to another question, and I have to bring it up because I'm curious about it myself. But in the whole concept that like attracts like and people uh, draw their experiences to them based on their own level of awareness or consciousness, yeah. When you look at the world today and you look at uh, the job loss and people losing their home and income dropping and everything, yeah. what kind of perspective do we put it in, in in terms of, you know, if we're all each creating our own reality and then you have this huge economic crisis that goes on, is that, do we deliberately choose that or do we deliberately choose to, lose our home or go through something like No, that, that's like telling someone, which is very cruel, and people do do this, that you've got cancer because you chose it. No, that's so cruel and so unkind and so unnecessary. At a macro level, I believe that in a way we choose it because we're not taking responsibility for ourselves for losing um, our home or at a, a macro level. But at a micro level, it's what you do within that that makes the difference. So, for instance, and I talk often about the people in the Sudan or people, um, I mean, this awful tragedy that happened yesterday with the children. No way anybody could choose that. But how they behave within that makes their karma. In any situation, some people are generous and thoughtful and um, uh, entrepreneurial survivors, if you like, and other people are greedy or ego-driven or um, just plain nasty, wanting to make use of other people's pain. So that's the, the karma that we're talking about. It's the personal karma. But when you get a collective consciousness of not taking care of yourself or not taking uh, or assuming that everything is going to be taken care of or somebody's going to look after you, as we are, are inclined to do with government, we are inclined to, to assume that they're going to take care of us. Well, we now know that that isn't so. We now know that we're not going to do that again. So if we go to a bank and ask for a loan, we're going to be asking a lot more questions. We're not going to be childlike in assuming that this bank will be our parent and take care of us. So I think it's a lesson that, that is learned. I don't think it's a kind lesson, but I think it's something that as a collective we had to learn that individually how we behave within that is up to us. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting point you're raising because you're, you're bordering on the edge of that whole personal sovereignty and that personal empowerment mm -hmm. type of idea, which is emerging across the world, of course. And as you yes. say, perhaps is good time for everybody to take more responsibility for their lives on every level. On every level. Both, both, both taking care of each other and taking care of ourselves and not assuming that someone else is going to take care of us. So, Georgina, I just have to play devil's advocate here just for a moment Absolutely. because it seems to me that the banks certainly got bailed out and they got their debt forgiven. And so I know there's many people who, who that just does not, you know, figure in their minds on how that could happen and then the people have to end up taking the responsibility for the banks. Now, somehow, I don't want to get into this more than this particular question, but 
there does seem to be that we're being asked to, yes, you are right, uh, lessen our codependence on systems mm-hmm. and governments. But then on the other mm-hmm. hand, um, we're asked to pay for their mistakes. So can you comment on that from a spiritual point sure. of view possibly? Sure, absolutely. I, I believe that um, the reason that some companies were bailed out, like some banks and, and, and for instance, the, the automobile companies, I think, and I don't know this, but my belief system is that we need to look at a real macro level for this. If they weren't bailed out and they crashed, more people would have been in harm, would have been harmed. And what has happened now is that this, it, it's allowed for some level of stability and some level of growth. Does that mean that everybody is feeling better and everybody's got their house back and their job back? Absolutely not. But it's saved an even, I believe, deeper crash. Um, is it uh, fair? No, of course it's not fair. Uh, is it right or appropriate? I think it's, from a business point of view, I think it's appropriate. So putting my business hat on, I think it saved a worse catastrophe. Putting my heart out front, my heart moves. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Um, that's that's how it is. Um, it doesn't make it right. It it just makes us much more aware to make sure that the government or whoever's in charge of the banks never does that again. Or when we go and ask for a loan or we go and put our future in someone else's hands, we very, very carefully consider it. You've made a huge name for yourself in Canada. You're a very, very highly respected member of the complementary health community, and you're also a regular guest on national and international television and radio programs. And do you think, Georgina, that being able to access this part of the subconscious mind helps you or helps other people to understand the the day-to-day nuances of life and what I mean by that is the the ups and downs of economies and struggling to make a living and that kind of thing. Do you think it's it's important for people to have some knowledge of the likes of hypnosis and the practices in the metaphysical world? I think that's a wonderful question because it opens up a whole new door um, and, and a possible way of looking at life. When we connect with um, our true self through the subconscious mind, we get such a different picture of who we really are. Um, And we really do get a wider perspective that we are all connected. And what happens to the women in Afghanistan or Sudan is in part happening to us. So so we operate and and think and, and move differently. We see things from a different perspective. And yes, of course, we still want the same stuff, but not as desperately. Um, not as not as much. Uh, and even it's happening with the new children, as you may become aware, they are moving into a much more global way of looking. Many of them are moving into helping in charities or starting charities or doing small things in their schools to make a difference. It's quite extraordinary what's happening to the new energy and the new way of thinking. It's very true, and we're going definitely uh, to a more cooperative paradigm. At least that's where I hope we're leading because um, certainly these children do demonstrate many times not only more creativity but a higher degree of love uh-huh. and sharing. Yeah, so that's 
Yeah, but that, to me that's encouraging because it shows us that our species is changing. <laughs> yes. Yes, Since they're it doesn't mean they still don't want playbooks and, <laughs> and iPads yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so, Georgina, then, in this context, because one of the concerns I had um, hearing about, you know, the tragedy in Connecticut yesterday, you know, those children who were exposed to that, the ones who, who didn't die, who but were somehow witness to this trauma, you know, do you think that that at some point in their lives is going to have to be undone in terms of the effect? I just hope and pray that they will very shortly start, those children will say, enough with the guns, never mind the Second Amendment. This is nonsense for people to have the um, capability of killing each other um, because they happen to be handy. Enough of killing each other. It's, it's, it's enough. We don't need any more war. We don't need any more killing. We don't need any more of this. I'm hoping these children, uh, and I believe, there's a part of me that believes, and, and don't get me wrong here because my heart is breaking like everybody else's, that these children that sacrifice themselves are doing everything they can, one after another after another, to get people to look at what's happening, to make change. You know, there's a saying that God touches you with a feather, and if you don't listen, you get hit with a brick. How many bricks do we have to have before we really look at this situation? I mean, what is it going to yes. take before people step back and say, you know what, we really do have to do something about this? So do you think in some strange kind of a way that that, that incident in Connecticut yesterday, that tragedy, is part of this global move towards change? Do you think yes, on, a, on some level it's a contributing yes, factor towards growth? Yes, I do. Look look how many of them we've had in the last few months, the last year. And yes. as you know, time is speeding up anyway, so it's going to get closer and closer until we do something about it. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. Now, we, we, we're so looking forward to talking to you about your relationship with Shirley MacLaine, but before we do, oh. let, let, let us mention that your book, uh, your book called Return Again has mm-hmm. two subheadings, how to find meaning in your past lives and your internal lives and how to do mm-hmm. your own past regression. But it's number 97 on Kindle at the end of November. That must be a, yes. a, wonderful, a wonderful recognition for you. How do you feel about that? I feel honored and um, thrilled. Uh, my job is to teach. My, my sole job is to teach, is to get the word out there. And as many people who have this information, who, the same as you do, this, uh, have this information, that have this to their fingertips, that recognize that there's a tool to help them grow and evolve into becoming at, at peace and the best they can be, uh, that, that's it, you know? That, that's the, the, the greatest gift that you can have. I mean, it's just wonderful. It makes me and really how, think about it. And tell our listeners, Georgina, how they can get in contact with you. Uh, they can reach me through my website, uh, uh, so they can email me if they wish, georgina at georginacannon.com. That's the best way to reach me, and I always respond to all of my emails. Um, and if you're local to Toronto uh, or you come in for a weekend, I do see clients on the weekend if they come from out of town. And I do have some clients on Skype in Israel and in um, uh, New York and Los Angeles. Um, um, 
but certainly I'd love to see you, and I'm hoping to do some teaching in San Francisco in May as well. So we're getting around this coming year, I hope. <laughs> well, make sure you let us know when you're coming to California. <laughs> I will. I will. Okay. All right, well, Georgina, I'd like to go to, you know, the very first chapter in your book when you speak about the body. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, tell us, you know, what you would like our listeners to know about the body, because you begin by talking about how we're not really even aware of its magnificence, and how does how does becoming aware of it matter? Oh, well, I have clients who come into the clinic who say, you know, they don't like their body. It's it's hips are too big, their the legs are too short, or I have a young man who says he he's too short and he. He just doesn't like himself and uh, how he looks. And we do some work around that because it's so important to understand that your body is a machine that is a miracle. It works without you thinking. The breath, the heartbeat, the circulatory system, the digestive system, all of these things happen and grow, like your nails grow, your hair grows, um, your eyes see and you have two of what you need and one of what you need, and they all work in harmony. It's extraordinary when you think about it. We can't get our car to run as well as our body does most of the time. And most of the time we take more care of the car than we do of the body. So I want people to really connect with it and really approve of it and look at your toes and, and say, you know, you're quite amazing. Look at you with your nails and your little one and your big one. And I know it sounds crazy, but we take it for granted, and, and I want to move from that being taking it from granted to recognizing and, and acknowledging and saying, yep, that's a pretty good body that I chose to come in with in this lifetime. Yeah, that's such a good point. And do you have any sense on what actually runs the body? Yeah, the subconscious mind runs the body. When you cut yourself, yeah, it, it, when you cut yourself, or you bruise yourself, the, the subconscious mind, without any thought on your part, gets all the mechanisms going so that you heal. Okay, then, then, order. then what about when people get diseases? Would you say that, do you think that that's karmic? Uh, no, I don't think it's karmic. I think that it could be, the inclination towards it could be through the DNA. Uh, a lot of times it's stress-induced because we all carry everything with us. Um, so it's something triggers it. So it could be stress. It could be um, depression. Um, quite often the mind in some level can trigger it. Um, I think if we have uh, something like uh, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, research has shown, and we proved it in our clinic, that a lot of it is due to old anger, for instance. So it is a mind-body connection. What about what diabetes? Yeah. Uh, well, we know that that is often the, um, how you treat your body. But juvenile diabetes is something else. Again, that the inclination towards that is genetic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Inclination okay. towards. Yeah. Right. Okay, and then uh, we go on to talk about the soul body agreement, and I think people may have lots of opinions about that on when the soul actually comes into the body or mm-hmm. why does it leave early as in um, sudden death syndrome for example but um, 
so can you give us your thoughts about all this, Georgina? Mm-hmm. Well, there is no empirical evidence on this, and as much as some groups like to say there is, we know from the work that we've done uh, in my clinic in the last 18, 19 years, but also in, in other people, that sometimes the soul waits for the body because it's hovering around, it wants to come into these parents, it has a job to do, and it waits until the minute of conception and goes, I'm in, I own this. Sometimes it comes in at three months, sometimes it doesn't come in until birth, and sometimes it doesn't come in until maybe two or three weeks after birth, which is why sometimes the baby is sort of teetering on the brink of living or not living. And sometimes it just chooses to leave. It decides, it changes its mind. It comes in and says, you know what, I don't think so, and leaves. And that's when you get... um, SIDS and stillbirths and things like that. So I do a fair amount of work around that with with grieving because women are inclined to blame themselves when something like that happens. But once they understand that uh, it really is a soul decision, it doesn't lessen the grief of losing the child, but it does remove the guilt. And if there, would there be... um, you know, with the parents who are going to bring in a child like that, would mm-hmm. that be part of their contract? Yes, indeed, it would be. Uh, it, would, it would be a contract of something they had decided at some point and somehow that they either needed to learn. Uh, and sometimes these things, uh, these contracts are uh, brought to fruition. Sometimes they're not. I have a colleague who works with parents who want to become pregnant so they can't get she works around fertility issues and she uses hypnosis for it and she talks with the parent to the unborn soul of the child and quite often the soul will say to the mother very loudly the mother will hear it um you haven't made time for me i'm not coming in yet you're so busy i i I, there's no space for me and uh, so that's a decision too Hmm. And I do remember being one of those little souls hovering outside my mother's womb, actually watching myself be conceived, which was quite interesting. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, I don't know at what point I came in, but I, I did also have a memory of being in my mother's uh, belly, watching her uh, cook dinner on the right. stove, be, being aware of my other siblings, and yeah. uh, seeing the apron she had on and in the apartment that we lived in. So, yes, but I do yes. remember saying, I have to come in now. This is the time, you know, I have to be here for this time period. And, and you know, in a way, I struggled with um, the fact that my mother was sad when she conceived me because she really wasn't welcoming the responsibility of another child. And right. it, it actually has left, a, you know, the whole, the, the whole I'm not wanted pattern Sure. Um, that has stayed with me through a lot of my life, and I've worked hard to try to overcome. But um, in, interesting that you kind of can feel all of that, you know, as the baby. And I watched my mother get dressed after she had sex and looked at herself in the mirror. And you know how sometimes women know that when that they conceived right away. Yeah. You know, yeah. she had a sense of that, and she was sad, and I, I felt sad as a result. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yes, yes. 
So what was your contract with her? Do you know? Well, well, certainly I have a theme of sorrow that runs through my life. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I am a teacher like you, and I feel like I'm I'm here to uh, bring as much uh, truth and enlightenment to the planet as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned a lot through healing. I've certainly learned about compassion and uh, understanding people and, and not judging. And I think I've done that through all of the uh, experiences that I've been through. And I, I don't know that I have the whole picture, but certainly being able to love myself uh, is something that I've just tackled in the last few years. Right. Just let us pause there, Georgina, because it's a good time to remember our sponsor, which is Diamond Sun Hosting, who has been consciously mm-hmm. hosting spiritual websites since 1993. They can be contacted at diamondsunhosting.com. If you wish to sponsor an episode or the full Honest to God series, indeed, contact us at angelrose at angelrose.com. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gale Rose and Ahanu. Now you're listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. Our call-in number is 805-292-0349. And we're speaking with Georgina Cannon on the subject of her fabulous book called Return Again, How to Find Meaning in Your Past Lives and Your Interlives, How to Do Your Own Past Life Regression. And she can be contacted through her website at georginacannon.com. Now, we promised our listeners that we would speak to you about your relationship with Shirley MacLaine. And what mm-hmm. happened there, according to your website, was that in 2004, Shirley MacLaine read your first book, mm-hmm. Return Again, and contacted you for a radio interview. And then she mm-hmm. invited you to host her chat room on the website shirleymaclean.com to talk about hypnosis and so on. Tell us about how mm-hmm. all that came about. That was quite extraordinary, actually, because, you know, when I got the call... I didn't believe it. I thought someone was playing a joke. <coughs> so we made um, a date for her to interview me on the radio. And then it got cancelled um, because she couldn't, uh, something happened to, to the line. And then we moved it to the Sunday. And that Sunday evening I was having a dinner party and I couldn't say no, Shirley. So I said yes. And about 9 o'clock, my phone rang, and we were right in the middle of the dinner party, and I said to everybody as they came in, by the way, I'm talking to Shirley MacLaine tonight, and so I might leave you halfway through, and they all said, yes, yes, yes. And when the phone rang, I sort of ran into my office, having had two glasses of wine, and everybody's yelling, hello, Shirley, hello, Shirley. They were all very happy. (laughs) It was very funny. And she said, it sounds like you're having a party. I said, yes, we are. In fact, I've had a couple of glasses of wine. She said, oh, that's okay. It'll make our interview go even better, which was great. So we had a great interview, and I subsequently spoke to her a couple of times after that and met her when she came to Toronto for the film festival. We went to a movie together. We had lunch together. And she came up to the clinic and looked around. And was, I mean, she's an amazing woman. Uh, not only is she a metaphysical uh, guru, she is also extraordinarily well-read. 
and very, very knowledgeable on early ancient traditions and writings. And she has a memory that is unbelievable. She remembers everything she reads in great detail. She also, if she's upset or angry about something, she'll pick up the phone and speak to a president of a country. Uh, she works with the UN. Uh, she works with the UN. She works with NASA. She works certainly works with different governments around the world about um, sustainable energy. Uh, she's extraordinary. A lot of what she does isn't even talked about. Well, that's actually very interesting to know because you know majority of people would never think or assume that they could pick up the phone and call. The, the the head of another country and have a conversation. She yeah, she does. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, she she's and you think that she's been a diva since she was seventeen. I mean, she was Broadway star when she was seventeen, and here she is at seventy eight or whatever she is, and she's still doing wonderful work in Downton Abbey <laughs> and other that's movies. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, I'm going to be on her show. I'm. Going to be hosting the chat room on the, I can't remember when it is. I think it's the 19th, whatever that Sunday is. I have it in front of me. So, but it'll be posted on my website. So, okay. I will let everybody know. And go ahead, give out your website again, Georgina. GeorginaCannon.com. www.GeorginaCannon, C A N N O N.com. All right, great. That's fantastic. Okay, now I want to move into um, the soul levels and karma because, you know, you start by this chapter by talking about how people are unaware that their souls are on an evolutionary journey. And so I do have to ask you, with, with the way technology is moving ahead and children and people becoming very dependent on all their electronics, do you think that that helps or hinders um, their ability to actually become aware that they're on a journey. I think it's just another tool, um, like any evolution. Right now, it's a bit like when first tele- when television first came into life. We all assumed that it was the end of books. It was going to be the end of learning. It was going to be the end of intelligence. It's not so. It's just a different type of intelligence. It's a different type of awareness and knowing. If we really look around the world about the information that's coming through about our subconscious mind and our connection to the universe, there's more of it now than there was even 10, 15 years ago. I think it's just another, another stage. I don't know, it's good or bad. It's just what we make it. And it's up to people like us to make it worthwhile. Right. And do you think that, um, you know, when you talk about people being on a journey, how important do you think it is that people become aware that their souls are on a journey? Hmm. One of the things I preach all the time is when you have a client, you always meet them where they are, not where you are. So I believe that we can, if we shine our light strongly enough without being uh, ego-driven, or um, a pain in the butt about it. <laughs> uh, people will will catch on. It's amazing when you go to dinner parties or you start talking to people on the bus. It's amazing what people will say to you out of the blue. If you if your light is shining strongly enough, people you'll help them find theirs. And 
I don't know that we should tell other people how to be. I believe we should help them find, if should they wish to, find mm-hmm. where they want to go, mm-hmm. should they so choose. Now, your your book, Return Again, is, is about past life regressions and your work in your own clinic. But you do teach people how to do their own past life regression. Can you give our listeners some idea of what's involved if somebody wanted to do their own past life regression? Well, there is a script in the book about connecting with your soul circle. And in my first book, Return, there is a script for doing past life, your own past life regression. Having said that, it's a little like going the choice of pulling your own teeth or going to the dentist. You can do it but it's always better to have a professional do it for you. The way that it's written in the book, both books, is with a caveat around it. What happens if you get stuck? What happens if you go to a place that's uncomfortable? How do you manage that? And the downside to doing it yourself is that part of your conscious mind is always engaged. You can't just let go. Whereas if you're with a professional, you can let go and let them facilitate you to do it. But having said that, it is possible, and some people do do it. Right, yes, yes, yes. Um, Georgina, I believe in one of your exercises in the book, you had people go to meet their soul family. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit and explain the soul family to people and the benefits of meeting your soul family through hypnosis? Oh, it's awesome. (laughs) It's part of the interlife. And you go to meet your soul circle. And these are people, these are souls that travel with you from, they're like your pod. They travel with you from lifetime to lifetime. And they take on different roles as you take on different roles in different lifetimes. But the soul connection is there of helping each other grow and evolve and allow the soul to uh, become closer to God and or to the light. So in this lifetime, your current lifetime, your next door neighbor or your best friend or your teacher or your partner may have been uh, a parent or a sister, a sibling in another lifetime. Um, But you are part of that same circle and you're at the same level of learning and evolvement. And when you're ready to move on, you move to another soul circle level. Um, But to meet these people and to go as it feels like going home, when you go home, and you connect with them, the greeting that you get is is so warm and loving and tender and, and welcoming that people quite often weep when they go there. But and does sometimes our soul family play the role of our enemies? Oh, indeed. Well, anything to make the soul grow. I mean, if they can be an irascible neighbor. They can be a pain in the butt boss. They can be a, an ex, a husband or wife that is really causing... Um, deep pain and, and, and trouble. But that's because we have to learn. These are soulmates. These are part of our soulmate group, too. They they have to learn. We, we have to learn how to handle this. We have to learn how to manage it so we're not victims, so that we don't right. become um, uh, the, the less than. We have to grow and, and move into our true self all the time. And listen, and listen. That must have been what my ex-mother-in-law was. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, she when someone said to me a long time ago, yeah, you, you, one day you'll thank your mother. And I said, you've got to be kidding. But now I understand. Right. Yeah. So now you understand about your ex-mother-in-law. 
I know sometimes when I do Akashic Record readings and you look at you look at that and you say, oh, that's who you were. Or, you know, when I tell people that a perceived enemy, you know, once they cross over, they're going to meet them and laugh. You know, they, they look at me like I have three heads. <laughs> right, right, right. Let me ask you a question, Georgina, that has puzzled mm-hmm. me for quite some time. And that's the concept of all time and past, present, and future happening now. So I can understand mm-hmm. because I've experienced it myself, the whole concept of past lives and how that might relate to my personality, my ego, my needs, wants, desires, my encounters, as you say, mm-hmm. meeting your soul family, that kind of thing. But what about the possibility of future lives? Is it possible for somebody to progress, I guess is the word to use, into a future mm-hmm. life? Have you ever encountered that and what does it look like? Yes, yes, I, I, I do do that, and I get a lot of requests for it. Um, and I, I, I'm very careful when we do do it because I explain that that future can be changed in the blink of an eye, because we are in control of what we do. It, nothing is cast in stone, and I believe, as many of us do, that all time is now anyway. This is just a different dimension we're looking at, a different perception of time. So if you you, if, you know, if you go to work a different way, what happens to you can change. If you say no instead of yes, what can happen to you can change. Right. Um, there's a wonderful book talking about ex-mothers-in-law. <laughs> I don't know if you know the writings of Neil Donald Walsh, but his child children's book called Little Soul of the Sun is about the soul contract we make before we're born, and it's beautiful. So... If any of your listeners want to really understand that, it, it helps in a very gentle, loving, and beautiful way. That the drawings in the book are lovely too. So that that is a book that's actually for children. Yes. Okay. It's well, I'm going to look for that. It's lovely. It's lovely. Oh, good. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Now let's get on to the topic of um, your soul and soul mates. Because I know yes. that's a big thing today. Soulmates and twin flames are huge in mm-hmm. terms of what people are interested in. And you you do a really good job of talking about soulmates and those sorts of relationships. So mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners about those? And if you had any general advice for people who find themselves in these type of relationships, um, you know, how can you guide them or what could you tell them? Sure. Um, yeah, I have a client right now, just just going through the same thing. When people come into the clinic and they say, I met someone last night and we instantly connected. I know it's my soulmate or my twin flame. We just know each other. We just connected and it felt like we've known each other forever. And part of me is going, be careful, because when we come into this world as a brand new baby, we come in expecting to be loved and nurtured unconditionally, and that is our expectation. So what we get becomes love. So if you're born into a family that is emotionally distant, or you're born into a family that in some way is addictive, either through alcohol or, or, or drugs or emotions, you know, some families um, are emotionally addicted. Every, you know, life is an opera. They, they, everything is an aria. Everything is a big deal. And you can become addicted to that very easily or addicted to work, uh, they're just not there, then that becomes your norm. That becomes 
what equals love. So subconsciously, you go looking for someone like that. You can walk into a room full of people, and like a heat-seeking missile, you will find the one person that is emotionally distant and feel connected with them immediately <laughs> because it's familiar at a deep subconscious level. Right. So they may not be your soulmate. They may mm-hmm. just be someone that went through a similar life that you did uh, early on and learned to be emotionally distant, emotionally shut down. So take a step right. back, take some time, wait a while, see if any flags come up. Don't sign your life away in the first three weeks or four weeks or six weeks. Take your time. And they may or may not be what we call a soulmate or a twin flame. Mm-hmm. It's highly unlikely. It does happen, but mostly it doesn't happen. So those really strong attractions then that people assume are soulmate connections, they may just be pattern connections. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So then what is a soulmate attraction then if it's not based on that sort of strong uh, feeling, then how would you know if you're with a soulmate? It's usually um, an equally strong um, response, but it can be a strong negative response as well, as we talked about a little while ago. It could be someone who's there to drive you crazy. It can be a teacher that you're fascinated by, but you don't like. It can be someone who really gets under your skin in a way that you can't explain. Um, you know, someone that you say, I don't know, my sister's got this boyfriend that she's going to marry, and for some reason, I mean, he seems like a nice guy, I just get a feeling in the pit of my stomach about him. Mm-hmm. It could be that you have made a contract together or you've experienced a past life together where you have um, understood the same knowledge and have the same life or the same energy. Mm-hmm. So that could be a, uh, a soulmate, someone who's helping you grow. Right. The rub, the one who makes you become a pearl. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or and, and or a diamond, yes. And what about twin flames? I'm not sure about twin flames. I am very ambivalent about them. I have a client right now who has been married for 24 years, but her um, her romantic love that she phones from time to time lives in Dubai, and she is drawn to him, and she was told that he's her twin flame. And the person that told her told her to leave her husband and children and go to her twin flame, otherwise she will never be complete. Oh, brother. Um, yeah, well, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know. I said I no, find but that you really know, unkind. You, yeah. you really do make a good point with that because, um, you know, I do do a, a lot of readings and there are, I do see twin flame relationships and I do know they exist, but... I also do know that it is not a given that you're meant to be with your twin. There are so many other factors involved. And just like you were saying with soulmate relationships, trying to decipher what's really going on in that relationship, you know, is really important. And I do think people do mistake a strong attraction as an absolute have to have, have to be, you know? Yes. And, you know, they don't consider the other factors of, how you're going to get on in life and your compatibility ratio and if 
if you'd kill each other, if you'd really be good for each other, you know, all they think of is the strong attraction, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, is telling right. me that I, I have to say yes to this. And I think that's, that's such right. a mistake. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like eating ice cream when you're not supposed to. <laughs> you know, it can kill your life. Georgina, the, it raises the question when you talk about the fact that your mother-in-law could be your, your soulmate, your teacher, your the guy <laughs> sitting beside you in the train, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Does it follow then that we all belong to the same soul family and we just have decided at some point in time that we're going to meet these members of our soul family during the course of this lifetime. Now, the reason I'm asking this particular question is because I want to move into the whole area of the the racial families. You know, how right. you'll have different countries having different cultures and so on. Right. Can, is it the case that every single human being belongs to the same soul family or are there different soul families that that somehow segregate themselves into different races. Think of it as a school or a university. You know, we all go to the same school or university, except they're different classrooms. And we graduate and move from one classroom to another or from one discipline to another. You know, you can go to university and start taking journalism and decide after the first year you don't like it and move over to anthropology. It's exactly the same. Same university, right. same same school, just different classes. And and if you're born a particular race, and um, like for instance, I know that I have never had an interest to go to India. Let's say, in fact, you mm-hmm. know, when people mention it, I automatically go, "No way, I'm mm-hmm. not attracted to India." Would that indicate that I probably had? If I have a strong reaction like that, would that indicate that I may have had? a lifetime in India that I really just don't want to remember? Or is it? would it be that I? it's not pro, important to my soul growth this life? It's not important to your soul growth because all of us in past lives, as you know, have all been di- you know different colors, different sexes. We've all been male. We've all been female. We've all been black and yellow, white, pink, green. <laughs> we've all been everything. Mm-hmm. And right. we will be because that's part of who we are and how we are. But mm-hmm. in each lifetime, we make choices every minute of every day. Yes, that's a good point. And can I just can I just ask you also? Do you find when you regress people that people come from other planets? Oh yes, yes, they do. Not often, What's, but they do. Is there a common one, Georgina? Not really. Uh, some come from. I have a few that came from a planet that was red, a red planet. I have some that come from a place that's all liquid, like water. Um, okay. or, or they just come from a different dimension. Mm-hmm. So can you explain yeah. the difference between a different dimension and a different planet? Yes, there's, 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 it's all energy. So there's no, it's hard, you know, there's no there there. They, they interact with each other through thought. Um, there's nowhere to land per se. They, you know, I say you know, put your feet on the ground. Well, there's no ground. There's no feet. Right. They're, right. There's just they're just all energy. Right. They are a different dimension, and it's not the interlife. It's just a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other thing too, if I do have to ask you, since I'm on this topic a bit, you know, what about um, alien abductions? Do you encounter that? 
Yes, I do. And I um, see them not frequently anymore because I now refer them to a colleague who does mostly that. She's one of my students, my grad students, and she was mm-hmm. always, always fascinated by that. And she now works with mostly uh, people who have been abducted or who have visited uh, their own free will uh, out of body um, to other planets or UFOs or met with aliens. We, I call, we call them aliens. I, I hate that name. I wish we could think of something else. And um, yes, so she uh, she does that. Let, Leslie Mitchell uh, Clark does that. Leslie, yeah. And what do you mm-hmm. think they want? It depends. Sometimes they're curious, um, just like a cat. You know, they want to know what's going on. Sometimes they're letting us know that we need help. And I, I believe there are many of them on this planet right now, leading us into this new vibration because uh, we certainly couldn't do it by ourselves. Um, and sometimes I think they are using us for research. Uh, we've, I've had people who've had implants. They want to follow them around. They want to see if they can direct them. They want to see if they can make them do things. Uh, or they just want to watch and see what's going on and see how we operate. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they get pretty bored because we're very primitive in some cases, in some mm-hmm. ways. And yes. they just leave. I mean, if I was an alien, I think I'd fly in and fly out. I mean, <laughs> look at the mess we're in. <laughs> You're listening to Angel Rose Anahanu on the Honest to God series. We have with us Dr. Georgina Cannon, who's speaking to us about her book, Return Again, How to Find Meaning in Your Past Lives and Your Interlives, and How to Do Your Own Past Life Progression. Call in numbers 805-292-0349, and you can contact us at Angel Rose at angelrose.com. Now, let us return to the subject, your, 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 core, your core profession, which is hypnosis, of course. Mm-hmm. And what I'd love to know is, how, how does a client react? And let's just say one is deep religious, perhaps Muslim or, or, or Catholic or something, and suddenly mm-hmm. come into the, to the knowledge that, oh my God, I have had a past life, you know, there must be reincarnation. How do they cope with a revelation like that, a realization like that? Well, usually, um, it happen- if it happens in my clinic, and we don't talk about it because they've come in for something like fear of heights, or fear of flying, or fear of the doctor, whatever, and they slip into a past life, and they come out, and they're really concerned, because if someone said to me, how do I tell my priestess, you know, what, what do I do? And they say, I'm Muslim, and it really concerns them. Uh, we just talk about it, and I say, you know, just imagine it's a metaphor. And maybe it is. Maybe it's not real. Maybe it's just a metaphor that your mind is giving you with some answers. Because the most important thing is the answer, or the solution, or, you know, the healing. So really, let's not worry what it's called. Just take it for what it, what we've learned and and uh, enjoy the results. And most of the time, that works for them. That's a good point. And you know, you also have a section in the book that talks about how to integrate the wisdom that you learn in these re- regressions. Mm. And mm-hmm. you know, you're saying that it's just because somebody gains a new insight doesn't mean that they're going to be able to integrate it into their life necessarily. So. You know, how do you help people with that, or what do you, what happens with that process? Because I'm sure that, like Ahanu just said, some of the things that you could learn in a regression could really shift your paradigm. They could really shift 
the reality of the way you're living your life and maybe even expose, uh, you know, huge changes that might need to be made. Yeah, well, people are inclined to become um, holier than thou when they become, quotes enlightened. And, you know, I really do... <laughs> it's a bit like a, somebody who's been a smoker and has become a non-smoker or someone who's lost a lot of weight. You know, they become really arrogant and, and arrogant. a little bit like, yeah, a little bit like, well, you really don't know what's going on. I really know what's going on. And, and it alienates people, and it also does the cause no good. And, and they are inclined to go home and want to get rid of the job or the husband or the wife or, or mother-in-law. And again, I talk about evolution rather than revolution and make sure that we do it very gently and very slowly. And there is some uh, workbooks, exercises in the back of the book that help people make that evolution to decide what they really want to become slowly and gently and what they want to let go of. Or, or slowly and gently, but they don't really know what they want to let go of until they know what they want to become. Hmm. Because this is all new. You've got to live it first and see how it interacts with what exists. And, uh, and let it sink into your body. Let it sink into who you are and become who you are and want right. to be in the next year. Take your time. There's really no rush on this. And really, I gentle it down a lot. So that's what the book does. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind people that the book we are talking about today with Georgina is called Return Again, How to Do Your Own Past Life Regression and How to Find Meaning in Your Past Lives and Your Interlives by Georgina Cannon. And, yes, it's printed by, is it Wiser Book? Yes, Red okay. Wheel Wiser. Mm-hmm. Yes. Georgina, I just need to ask you a little personal question Sure. You know, with my own life, and then I know Ahanu has another question for you. But, you know, when I was younger, all I really wanted was to be a mother and have kids. And, you know, to the mm-hmm. point where I would pray that my dolls would come alive and all that. So I got married when I was uh, 18 years old. It was a very mm-hmm. uh, dramatic, let's say. It was only a, a quick two-year relationship, but it was very dramatic. And, um, but, but, you know, I, I married this man and three months later he was murdered. And that mm-hmm. kind of catapulted my life into this whole different direction. Uh, sure. Spiritual, spiritual inquiry at 18 and that ended up being the beginning of my path. Now, would we have contracted for that to happen because this yes, is a guy. Indeed. Yes, okay. Yeah. That just changed I mean, everything. Yeah. Yeah, there were times in my life that I thought Yeah, that I thought if that didn't happen would I would I have done something different with my life? And you know, there are times because because the spiritual path uh is a little difficult, especially in terms of income for me. I've not really mastered that. Uh and there are times where I said, Gee, what would have happened if I had just gone to college and uh become a normal person, you know? Well, you can still go to college. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you have choice. We all have choice. We can still learn online, particularly, and get degrees and do what we want to do. It doesn't mean that we can't do more than one thing at a time. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Georgina, you are a teacher of hypnosis, and mm-hmm. can you can you guide our listeners 
into what exactly is involved because I, I know there's, there seems to be, in my experience anyway, a division, a 50-50 division of people who would be willing to be hypnotized and those that have some kind of a, an inherent fear about it. Tell us what's actually involved. You know, how, oh, how does okay. one actually go down into that state and okay. what can expect? Okay. It, 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 being in hypnosis, the, the brain waves are exactly the same as meditation or what athletes call the zone. So it's the alpha state. It is not woo-woo. It's not weird. You don't disappear. You don't levitate. You don't lose control. None of that. In fact, when you're in hypnosis, just the same as meditation and just the same as if you're a runner or an athlete, you always know where you are. You're always in control. You can bring yourself out at any time. It's, it's very similar to being in the movies and being caught up in a movie. If you're watching the movie and you're laughing and crying in the movie, but you still know you're in the cinema, you still know there's people sitting next to you eating popcorn and chatting maybe behind you or whispering behind you. You know where you are, but you're still involved in the movie. So it's like being in two places at the same time. And if you need to go to the washroom when you're in the movie, you get up and you go to the washroom and you come back and you continue the movie. And it's the same in hypnosis. Nobody can take over your mind at all. And what you see on stage, the people who've seen it on stage, and that causes a lot of concern, is remember that all these people that go up on stage are volunteers. So they choose to go up on stage and play along. And if they're not going into hypnosis or they're just pretending, the stage hypnotist can tell and usually send them down. And if you watch stage hypnosis, you'll see that they mm -hmm. usually start off with 20 or 30 people, and by the time they finish the show, they may have 8 or 10 on stage because the rest have gone down. They've mm -hmm. just been sent back into the audience. So you mm -hmm. are totally in charge, always. Well, that's, that's very reassuring for people. But tell us, is there any danger in terms of being in some space, you know, some, some hyperspace or some other dimension where there may be potential to get waylaid or lost or part of you left behind, is, is there any danger like that at all? There is, well, it's up to you. I mean, it's up to the person. Uh, an ethical hypnotist will not work with anybody who has a borderline uh, personality disorder or schizophrenia. Uh, some people won't work with people who have epilepsy. Uh, we're very careful with, who, with whom we work because we want the person to understand that we are only the facilitator. We are not doing it to you. It's like going to, to the theater and having the, the person show you to your seat. That's all we're doing. We're just showing you how to get there. And then what you do when you're there, how deeply into hypnosis you go, is totally up to you. Some people who are a little scared, I suggest they have a monitor at the side of their mind and from one to five, and, and they feel comfortable. When they feel comfortable... Uh, they can go down one, two, three, and if they go down to four, they feel uncomfortable. They can lift a finger, and I take them back up to three, or I suggest that they go back up to three, because I can't take them anywhere. Um, and they manage their, their depth of hypnosis themselves. So you really can't get lost that way. The only thing I will say to you spiritually is that we always need to protect our aura. We always need to make sure we're surrounded by light because sometimes there are loose energies that are either lost because they died and didn't know they died, or they don't want to go into the light because they have an unpaid uh, debt or something they want to hang around for. 
Um, but that's the only thing. You can get attachments if you don't protect yourself. But that's a whole other story, a whole other book, and a whole other interview. Um, but apart from that, you are in control. You're, as long as you go into it knowing you're in control. So, so, Georgina, then let me ask you, because I do know people who take large audiences into a hypnosis. I mean, I, yes. I personally never thought that was a cool idea, but are you saying that that could be safe? I'm saying, well, I personally don't like it either. Uh, that's why I don't go to Brian Weiss's. I love Brian Weiss. I think he's amazing. I think he's Dr. Brian Weiss. I think he's ethical and really good, but I would never suggest anybody go there. Uh, because there's no one to help you if you get into trouble. Not, the right. trouble you're going to get into is going into a past life that's uncomfortable. That's what I mean by trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's safe because you're in control. You you can manage yourself. You can choose to go in or not go in. Right. And let me ask you one more question. Um, do you think that some deaths that people go through, such as you know car crashes or Mm-hmm. things like that. Is it possible that someone's death could be an accident? Because you just mentioned that somebody might hang around the earth because they didn't finish what they were here to do, right. uh, like it got interrupted. So do you think there are accidents like that, or is everything yes. kind of planned by us? No, I think there are accidents like that. And I think what happens sometimes is that that soul doesn't even know it's dead. Um, particularly with as you know, with 9-11, there were a lot of souls hanging around, particularly around New York. And a lot of us went either physically or by, in distance to help them find their way home. Mm-hmm. It's the same with a battlefield. When you walk across a battlefield, you can feel the lost souls. They don't know they're dead. They don't know their way home. So it's right. our job to help them find their way home. I mean, that's part of what we do. But mm-hmm. yes, there can be accidents. Uh, absolutely. Uh, sometimes those accidents are brought on by the planet, like um, uh, volcanoes or uh, floods, you know, that we have no control over. Um, absolutely. Indeed. Georgina, we're, we're never going to have enough time to talk about this fascinating subject with you. You are such a wealth of information, and we are absolutely delighted that you shared that knowledge with us today. And perhaps we'll have to get you back to speak at more depth about all these different subjects and to remind our listeners we've spoken today about evolution not revolution uh, one of Mm -hmm. Dr. Georgina Cannon's principles and she Mm -hmm. used it herself in changing from the corporate to the metaphysical world we spoke about hypnosis on the different levels um, not just the standard or traditional ways when we speak about stop smoking or losing weight or that kind of thing we did look into that a horrific tragedy in Connecticut yesterday and we spoke about the subconscious mind how it runs the body and Georgina mentioned to us about how stress and old anger can cause illness in the body we went into detail about the soul and soul families and then we spoke about the stillbirths and SIDS and how all of that was a soul decision um, we covered your fantastic relationship with Shirley MacLaine and how it um, was was a very, very beneficial to the, your business and you spoke about what a wonderful lady she is. And we talked also about doing your own past life regression and how 
it was very important really to have somebody like you, Georgina, who would be there in the event of any difficulties or questions. So it's important to remember that Georgina is available at georginacannon.com. We also talked about meeting your own soul family. I, you know, I've always found that is an absolutely joyful, joyous exercise mm-hmm. to do, and uh, Georgina would help people to do that. We looked a little bit at future lives, which is an equally fascinating subject, and then we talked at length about soulmates and twin flames and people's encounters and how to not be fooled by the encounters that we have in our lives. We looked at past lives on other planets and other dimensions indeed. We spoke a little bit about alien abductions, the belief in religions, and then just just now we spoke about the technique of hypnosis itself and how it's actually done in practice. And we talked about stage hypnosis and that kind of thing. Now, we've only got a few more short minutes, Georgina, so we just want to thank you before we get to our own kind of uh, announcements and that kind of thing. We'd really, really mm-hmm. like to thank you most sincerely for being with us. It has been very enlightening for ourselves and our audience. All right. Georgina, could you pick your favorite story just to share with us before we close? The favorite story is a woman who came in who had lost her memory, had no idea who she was from the age of 17. At this time, she was now 61, 62, going into for surgery. And so she wanted to find out who she was before she went into surgery. And we tried the first time, and I couldn't regress her back beyond the age of 12. She went into panic. Um, the second time she came in, she I, I asked her if she would mind if we went in a different way, and she said, not at all. So I went in beyond the womb, and we entered the womb upon conception. And she went into the womb, and the minute she went into the womb, she got a sense of who her father was, his name. She had a sense of the fact she was one of six children. And to cut a long story short, she found out who she was. She was so excited, she ran out and told her husband who was waiting in the waiting room. And they went to do research on, on, the, on the Internet, because they hadn't been able to do it up to then, they had no names. And um, she's found her family. She's found family. She now has documentation. She can now travel to different countries. Uh, she knows her health records. Uh, she found a sister that, she, uh, that had been looking for her for years. Her sister came to Toronto from the States, and I met them. They wanted me to meet them, and they were like bookends. They did DNA testing to make sure. That's one of my favorite stories. And every now and then I get a letter from her saying, I'm now in England. I'm seeing another part of my family. Or I went to the uh, American consulate and got my passport. Or, you know, she's so excited. That's one of my favorite stories. That's absolutely amazing. And so I'm assuming, too, that you you cannot do hypnosis over the phone. Is that correct? I I do uh, with the clients that I have seen. I I do have a client in in Israel, and I have two in L.A. and one in New York that I have seen here in Toronto, and I do do it over over Skype. But I prefer to see people in the the, um, clinic first before I do any hypnosis over over the Internet, however, uh, over Skype. I do do counseling over Skype as well. I do. um, I'm an accredited coach and counselor, so I do do that. And for people to get in touch with you, they can go to GeorginaCannon.com. Yes. Okay, we have to leave it there, Georgina, as a thank you for purchasing your new book, Return Again. Georgina is offering you a bonus free download. 
get one of our most popular recordings absolutely free, Chakra Balancing, Renewal of Self and Energy, by going to her website, georginacannon.com. She's also working on her, her latest work, The Third Circle mm-hmm. Protocol. It's being translated from the work in the clinic into a book and a future TV show. So we say to our listeners, stay tuned to that. Contact Georgina Cannon. Enjoy the wealth of wisdom that she has there at georginacannon.com. Okay, we remind our listeners that uh, The Eight Steps to Freedom is available at ahanu.com forward slash Eight Steps to Freedom. Angel Rose's own book, A Time of Change, is available at atimeofchange.info. Remember our Mystical and Sacred Sites Tour of Ireland in mysticalireland.holistic.com. And if anybody's interested in a group Akashic Records reading, go to meetup.com Akashic Records Group. Now, it leaves us to say... To anybody who'd like to opt into our mailing list, go to angelrose.com. You can get free ebooks, Akashic Records transcripts, and so on. Simply go to ahanu.com or angelrose.com. We want to thank you most sincerely, Georgina, and love and blessings and thanks for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you very, very much. God bless. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.